everyone. Welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner, and I am your auctioneer. It's a beautiful winter day here in Atlanta, even though it's spring. And you know what? I swear Mother Nature's playing April Fool's joke on us because I walked outside today. I knew it would be cold, but it was cold, and it's still cold. So seriously, Mother Nature, you win. I get the April Fool's. But today's no joke, folks. We've got a wonderful show for you. I really am excited about today. I've been excited about today for a while, ever since we talked to Frank with uh, the community program, and he recommended Kwame uh, Johnson to our show. Uh, so let me tell you about today's show. We have joining us Kwame Johnson. Uh, he's the CEO and president of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Atlanta. He oversees the largest and most effective youth mentoring agency in the state of Georgia and directs a team of roughly 50 uh, plus staff uh, to provide support to over 1,400 Sorry. Yes, that's right. 1,400 one-on-one mentoring relationships that have very powerful and positive effects that change youth's lives for the better. And not only for the better, but forever. Uh, He found his passion while incarcerated during his senior year of high school. And during this challenging time, he decided to change his life and made history by becoming the first youth to ever take his SATs in jail. Kwame was accepted into the uh, Hampton University and decided to leave college at the age of 19 to become a social entrepreneur and has dedicated his life to service and helping our youth reach their full potential. His passions led him to Washington, D.C., where he worked in youth development for over 12 years. He served as a national program director for the Center of Neighborhood Enterprise focused on helping residents of low-income neighborhoods address the problems of their communities, which actually we had a guest the other day that talked just on that subject. Uh, He also served as the director of the corporate relations for the National Office of Communities and Schools, the nation's largest dropout prevention organization. Uh, Prior to joining uh, the Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Atlanta, Kwame served as executive director of the greater Atlanta region for Power My Learning, where he increased the organization's revenue by, get this folks, 65%, and the program reached by over 115% within three years. So we've got a guest that is loaded with information and experience, and I'm really, really excited to bring him to the show. So ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Kwame Johnson. Hello, sir. Hey, Seth, how's it going? Thanks for welcoming me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, your bio speaks wonders, but before we get into any and all of that, Let's get caffeinated. Do you drink coffee? I do. I drink it every day. Oh, really? Well, do you have? A, you know, what's the chance you got? A, hey, look at that! He's got a coffee mug, folks. Tell us about that mug. It was a Father's Day, that, uh, Father's Day gift, uh, as you can see. It's a little outdated, but I love it because it has my son Kwame Jr. on it and uh, some pictures of us together. So, oh, very nice. Well, I tell you, this the gift my son gave me. He gave me a mug, but it was world's okayest dad. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where he gets his sense of humor from. So when you drink coffee, you drink it every day. You're, you're like a, every morning. What's your what's your deal yeah, with coffee? What's your relationship? I drink it, I drink it black um, mostly, but sometimes I drink it with honey. Um, most people coffee don't use honey. It. Yeah, but I put cream and honey, um, and I actually really like it. But most days I drink it black. Do you have a uh, when you know with, with or without COVID times? But is there a go to Atlanta coffee shop that you like the most? Uh, so I go to Starbucks a lot. I guess that's pretty boring, but uh, Octane is pretty cool. Um, and there's a place right across the street from my office. I f- I'm th- forgetting the name. Um, they're pretty new. I've been going to them a little bit too. So Where's your office located? Right on 17th and Peachtree. Oh, okay, yeah. 
Yeah, there's a new coffee place, and I can't remember the name, but it's a really good place right on the corner there on uh, 17th and Peach Street. You know, they say all coffee shops are just perking up. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love coffee. All right. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I like coffee if we're doing coffee connections, right? But let me uh, hand the mic over to you, and please let everyone know. Like, a lot of folks know about Big Brothers and Big Sisters, but let them know about the uh, Metro Atlanta chapter here and a little bit about your involvement and in anything you want to share. Yeah. No. Uh, again, thanks, uh, Seth, for having me. Um, you know, we've been here in Atlanta for 60 years. This is our 60-year anniversary. <laughs> Uh, so we've been doing this work in Atlanta for a very long time. And whenever I talk about the work of Big Brothers and Big Sisters, I talk about defending potential because that's what it's really all about. It's about us adults defending the potential of young people. Um, and when you say defending potential, you're acknowledging that young people already have potential. Uh, it's not something we have to create, not something we have to save. It's they're born with it. We're all born with potential. And too often we don't have the right people around us, the right adults supporting us to help us realize that potential. So that's been my life work um, as, a, as it relates to youth development. And that's what we do at Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And that's why I enjoy the work uh, so much. You know, we cover all 12 counties here. Uh, we make matches even during COVID. We're supporting young people and families. We're making virtual matches right now. We're actually talking about shifting back into our normal in-person matches in April now that COVID is starting to slow up some and we're moving further along with the vaccine. But every day we support uh, bigs and littles. Bigs are the adults in our program. Littles are the kids. Um, and we uh, support those matches. We make those matches through a few steps that each go through. And then once you're matched, you get a coach on my team who supports you through the life of the match, who helps you set up a plan, who helps you figure out outings to do, all these different things that make that mentoring relationship last on average of three years for us. So most of our matches last three years. We match young people from the age of eight to 18. If you're over 21, uh, you can be a big, we'll have you if you uh, wanna lean in and help young people. You don't have to have a degree or have to have a, you know, experience mentoring or anything. It's really about, you know, being safe for children and having a caring heart to wanna work with young people and making that one year commitment. Because we know if you come into a young person's life and leave within a year, you can create more harm. So you have to commit to a year and you have to really just want to, you know, lean in and defend potential. And that's what it's what it's all about. You know, we got a lot of fun things going on in our organization. Uh, we are moving our headquarters. Uh, we are currently in Midtown right now. We're moving to the West End um, to be much more embedded in the community. Um, and we're going to then from there look at how do we better serve the community. Atlanta is shifting. It's changing. Gentrification is real. Atlanta now has the most suburban poverty in the country. Most people don't know that. Most people know about the income gaps in Atlanta, but they don't know about the suburban poverty. And that's real. So as a nonprofit leader, we have to think about where do we serve? How do we best serve families? And for us is moving into the community. And then from there, setting up satellite outposts that will be in partnership with other organizations. So I'm not going to set up a non set up a building every place we go. But on the south side of Atlanta, I might partner with another youth development organization that's doing work there on the west side. We're in Decatur. Atlanta is a big piece of land. There's families all over and children that need the work that we're doing. And we're going to be very intentional about that uh, moving forward. 
That's wonderful. Uh, a lot of questions come up. One of the things I, I'm curious, like, so you kind of, I think you kind of addressed it, right? Uh, you said, and I love that. Like, it makes sense. You partner with other organizations, have satellite locations. Not everyone needs to come to the one location where we'll be in the West End now. Um, but how do you help the kids that are on the move? I think you, you mentioned the poverty and stuff, and I feel like there's a lot of kids, and I, I know for a fact there's a lot of kids that live in their cousin's house one week, in a car for a couple days, another cousin's another day. They're, you know, it's unstable. How do you help these type of kids? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of challenges in Atlanta. You, poverty, you know, the biggest challenge, which has a lot of things that come out of that, some of what you're mentioning, kids who are couch surfing, right? So we have a few different program models. And one is our community-based program where we work with families in the community. You as a big chef would mentor your young person, you know, your little after hours on the weekends, you know, do those type of things. And we match you based on where you live. So for example, in College Park, we try to recruit bigs that live in that area. Like for example, young men that may work at the airport to mentor young men in those communities to help uh, stay connected and have real life experiences of what those young people are going through. We also have programs in schools. So schools to me are the watering holes. And that's where we should all, if you're in a youth development space, we should all be spending our attention on supporting schools because kids always go there. They don't always stay. That's our goal is to keep them in school, keep them learning. That's our best shit, uh, shot as a society is to keep kids in school and keep them learning and get out of high school as, as a sort of starting point. So we reach kids uh, through schools by bringing mentors into schools. And we also have a program now where we bring kids into corporations where they get exposed to a mentor, for example, like Cox, one of our long-term partners at their headquarters up in Sandy Springs area, they get a mentor, but they also get exposed to workplace at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we use these different models to reach families where they are. But schools, I would say, is going to be a big part of our focus because families, regardless where they are, you know, if they move and they in tough situations, they, they enroll their kids in school. And that's our best shot is to support the school and keep the kids at the school. Now you talked about the mentors. Like I love that example of a college park and the and find like-minded individuals that are a little older that work the airports. I get that. Yeah. But where do you find those mentors, or are they coming to you? So that's my job. I spend a lot of time going out in the community. We do a lot of social media. We have a, a huge social strategy where we can target people based on where they are and get them information about us. We do talks like this. But for me, it's really about being in community. I moved to Atlanta five years ago. And I learned very quickly that Atlanta is a community, a city of communities, you know, and right, if, you, yeah. if you don't live in College Park or on the West End or in Decatur or, you know, in Cobb, you know, you, you you're disconnected. So for me, being in Midtown with our office and, and working with families and all these different places and bigs and all these different places, they don't want to come to Midtown all the time. They want us to come to them. So we have to be very intentional to be in community. And that will help us recruit people from those communities because they'll see us and they can come to their local library and meet us or their local youth development organization. Boys and Girls Club may be another option um, to see us and learn about the program and see that it's easy. And we're actually going to match you with kids that live in this same community. So this is something that you can do and it's feasible. And you just mentioned Boys and Girls Club. And I had a question is. Do you, do you often get confused between the two because they're, you know, the names are somewhat similar, but not completely. But it seems like but the programs are very different. Right. One is more of an after school kind of environment, whereas this is more of a mentorship. Right. Yeah. Two great programs. Boys and Girls Club does great work. David, their new CEO, good friend of mine. They do a lot of great work and they're a, a great partner of ours. 
And that's an example of how we can work together in a youth development space because we all work with the same young people. They offer different things. We offer mentoring. There's other groups that do a lot of different things that kids and families need. And my role as a nonprofit leader is to try to bring us all together so that we can help families go further faster, in my opinion. Now, when it comes to families, if you have a someone that's uh, a little bro- a little brother, a little sister that is coming from poverty and, and maybe is in a very unstable, unsafe, safe home, how do you how do you address these situations? So we assess the situation, you know, um, and depending on how bad it is, we have partners with organizations like DFACS and you know different agencies to provide housing, food, clothing, mental health. You know, we don't do those things, but we work with families and we figure out what's going on as they become a part of our program. And then our role is to connect them with the right resources to, to figure out whatever that issue is. Because if you're growing up in poverty, the chances are there are about seven or five different other issues that are impeding you from reaching your full potential. And it's our role as, as bigs, but also as nonprofits to help eliminate some of those barriers. In many cases, they had no choice. They were born into that situation. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, uh, on Tuesday, I talked to Georgia Appleseed and they were talking about, um, so the idea of someone that maybe, I love this example. I'm going to retell the story because it was great. And I'm curious, I'll go go with me on this. So so a a kid goes to, uh, maybe has like younger siblings, takes this kids to, to the younger siblings to school ends up coming to school late themselves. And then because they're late, you know, they get in trouble for that. And then they forgot something like a pencil, they get in trouble. And so you get all these like violations. Then the next thing you know, the day turns really bad. Right. And I'm curious about like when, when things, so they were explaining that and kind of that situation. I was like, wow. So it really got me thinking about like how a lot of times people are labeled bad and they've done nothing wrong. It's just, they, they got into the cycle, the, you know, this cycle. Uh, and I'm curious how you all work with the kids to help them identify that so they can see that they're not bad people They're and how to communicate that with the schools so that they can go ahead and like, you know, so in other words, instead of being in trouble for being late, be rewarded to, uh, for the fact that you actually got your siblings to school on time. And yes, you need to get on time, but not turn that into a, a bad situation, but a, a an, um, you know, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. You know, the reality is schools were never built to handle the social issues we have in our country. You know, schools were built after World War II. You know, you had farming and, you know, mom stayed at home. You know, dad went to work. The society we live in today is totally different. And schools um, have limited resources and teachers are taking on the role of so many different things that they are not trained and don't have the time and bandwidth and are underpaid to do. So the school is at a disadvantage and then the the young person you mentioned is coming in at a disadvantage, right? So we need to support schools to make sure they have the resources. In my opinion, schools should be community centers. Schools should have these resources to deal with the challenges that are coming in their doors every day. We as a nonprofit sector try to wrap our arms around schools and provide different supports and do our best, but schools are taking on so many challenges. Mm -hmm. For the young person, they need adults in their life that can help them in real time navigate whatever situation comes up. And in a lot of ways, that's what a mentor can do. A mentor can, if something happens in your life today, Seth, or something happens in my life, 
I probably can call five or six people and they'll help me sort of navigate whatever that situation is. Yeah. A lot of our kids and families don't have that network. They just got to figure it out. So that is what a mentor can do. That is what a nonprofit organization like ours can do. Mm-hmm. And we need to better support schools so they can help the communities they serve. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the big things, and you touched on this earlier, is mental health. I mean, one, mental health is now becoming a uh, less of a stigma. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good thing. But that also means that we're going to need more counselors in our schools. And there's a lot of trauma that's going to happen. That's trauma. I don't want to call it trauma. But there's, there's a lot of, there's uh, for the sake of the word, we'll use trauma. But, you know, there's an education gap that's going to be coming out of COVID uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, emotional gaps. There's, a, there's, there's the gap. And we had a year without all those roles you just talked about taking place. And so I think mental health is a is of concern here moving into the future. Yeah, we talk a lot about mental health. We talk a lot about trauma-informed care. My staff are trained on that. They work, when they work with families, they think about things through that lens. Because a lot of kids and families are going through trauma, especially right now, but even before COVID happened, Mm -hmm. this just made the situation worse. You know, and there's a lot of research on what trauma does to a young mind and, you know, how that affects a young person. So this is a deep topic and it has many layers. And um, it, it's going to require schools, it's going to require uh, political officials, government, nonprofits, uh, business community, all of us coming together to try to tackle some of these issues. It's, it's a big issue. We got to get well, I, It's huge. And there's, and like you said, it's an onion of layers because, I mean, there's things like one thing comes to mind is our funerals. There's a lot of people, a lot of kids that haven't been able to have the, our, we're in a society that has funerals and things like this to help us grieve and help us mourn and help us move through the process. A lot of kids didn't get to, you know, didn't experience that or were, you know, that was taken away from them. And, and it's a, it's a thing that maybe we don't see come out of them right away, but it will linger in time. And so there's a lot of things that need to be addressed that that's a, it's a big, it's a big thing. Well, um, but it takes, a well, before, before you move on to that, uh, this is a pro- program that's national, though. Uh, is it worldwide or is it just national? National. We, we have a presence in Canada, a um, mm-hmm. few offices, but mostly we have 200, roughly 200 locations here in the U.S. How much, how independent are you of those other uh, locations? Uh, total independent. We're all separate 501c3s. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all separate businesses. We have to fundraise and do all those things. We have a national office that supports us with a number of things, marketing, program, guidance, support. Um, some funding as well, um, but we're all separate 501c3s. Now, are you talking to other CEOs and presidents of other, uh, can I call them chapters? Yeah, chapters, yeah, all, all the time. Uh, there's so many of us uh, doing this work. We lean on each other. I might learn about something from Boston or Chicago. You know, we, we share with each other and we support each other. <clears throat> That's awesome. That's so important. And um, And you said you're moving into the West End out of curiosity. What part? So we're looking at the Met. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot, a I had a feeling I, when you said that, the Met is yeah. awesome. I, I actually just toured there the other day. Uh, the uh, Georgia Center for Child Advocacy. I went over and yeah. checked out their spot there. And it's really cool because like the Met, when you come in there, it's like for those that don't know, it's this artsy area. What was it? It used to be like a Publix or, or uh, like a, a trucking place center, right? There was, for, there was a lot of things going back to World War II where we would store, uh, you know, uh, military equipment back in the it's been here 100 over 100 years yeah wow well so when you go into these you see these buildings you're like what could possibly how could an organize and then you walk in it's like 
the way the setup and the uh, the rooms are, like you know, each of these, there's, every one of them is unique. Every space is unique. But I just love the energy. I cannot wait till we get out of COVID and that place is popping because, like, you know, you go to get a you you go get a cup of coffee, you'll go talk to someone else, and like, there's gonna be problem solving, discovery. So much is gonna nuclearize out of that space. It's gonna be amazing. So I'm yeah. I'm psyched that you guys are gonna be there. That's great. Right from the Western Martyr Stop, so it's accessible and. You know, it's an up-and-coming place, but we love it. It's in the community. There's a number of schools. Uh, Brown Middle School is right around the corner. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's a, great, it's, a, it's a great headquarters, but we need more than one location through these satellites. Yeah, well, that totally makes sense. Also, I, I, the satellites, just, just I, could, I could see where that works because I was going to ask a question about uh, working with other organizations, but, I mean, if you're doing satellites – that's that's it right there and and Atlanta's so wonderful for that but you're right though i always tell people when they're asked about like where do you live in atlanta well i'm in toco hills now but i was in decatur so i still say decatur but it's decatur is decatur which is not grant park which is not west end which is not sandy spring every neighborhood it's different and and you and every area has its real community and i think you know, i come from the festival world we all have our own festivals right we you know grant park festival and candler park festival and and then you get neighborhood associations and we so it's atlanta living is really is great but it's people gotta it's not like downtown is not atlanta that's just yeah that's its own thing yeah exactly so you gotta you know work around that and work within that that's part of the culture here yeah. Well, it costs money to do all this. How do you all raise your money? So, uh, you know, a number of different ways, which, you know, we've been very creative during COVID. Um, so we have a nice mix of corporate foundation, individual gifts. We get some government funding. Uh, we have a number of events that we raise money through. So it's a nice mix. You know, we've done really well. We've been uh, beneficial. Uh, we benefited from PPP um, uh, loans, uh, forgiveness, oh, which we got. Uh, we got one last year and we got one this year, which is great. That helped uh, through the stimulus package. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's, it's a mix of different buckets, which we like because we like to have a diverse uh, base of revenue. Uh, so if something happens with our events, for example, which were dramatically impacted by COVID and not being able to do big gatherings, uh, we can uh, do other things and shift and, uh, and help you know, raise our total budget. And everyone can go right now, actually, to bbbsatl.org and make a donation. That's for sure. Uh, how much of your funding comes from individual? Uh, well, not how much, but would you say majority of your uh, revenue comes from individual or from corporate? Uh, it's a mix. I would say, you know, it's pretty split across the board, actually. You know, so I would say about 15, 20 percent comes from individual and also the same for corporate. And before we talk about your current event coming up. I saw something online. I don't know if it was recent, uh, like in years or many years ago, but it was the uh, auction a mentor. What was that? Iconic mentor auction. Yeah. What is that? Tell me about yeah, that. I mean, as an auctioneer, I'm curious. No, it was a pivot for us. You know, we know, you know, we knew in coming into this year, we couldn't do in-person events. So we came up with the idea in January, which is National Mentoring Month, to, to auction off different leaders in the community. So we ah. got Jack and Arthur Blank and Carol Tomei and uh, different leaders of different companies. And we asked them to donate an hour of their time to mentor someone, to mentor the highest bidder. And we were able to auction off these leaders and, and raise uh, close to $90,000. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Now, yeah. someone that got like Arthur Blank, like what, what did, was it someone that did that for like someone else or did they do it for themselves? Uh, business owners doing it for themselves to want to meet with 
you know, Arthur Blank or meet with Shaq or meet with Carol Tomei, you know, and uh, for them, it was worth the money to have, you know, an hour with these, with these great leaders. And now as you move forward, this is what we were talking about, like on the, uh, before we went live, we were, I was saying like, you know, some stuff happens virtually and you're like, why were we not doing that? Like that program, you keep that in January and if, and that's not going to go away. You'll still make your 90,000 on that, if not more as it grows. And then you still do your other events and you don't, you don't have a loss. You have a gain. Like that's the thing about COVID is that if you, if you're active and you pivoted and you moved, you actually created new opportunities for you that, yeah, maybe you don't do, but there's all there's nuggets everywhere and that's one of them i, I love seeing that yeah i always look for opportunity you know it doesn't matter it's just the way my brain works even in a challenge <laughs> you know even as a kid being in jail and taking my sats being the first kid to ever do that you know i, I saw opportunity in challenge and you know through COVID, i think we still have to figure out ways to take advantage of opportunities and also take things that have worked and continue those and if yeah. there's things that weren't working now is the time to leave those things aside uh, and before we, I'm going to come back to fundraising here in a second, but when it comes to the virtual side, I mean, don't with big brothers, big sisters, then the mentoring, do you think that you'll keep that in play? Like, Hey, listen, we've done mentoring over zoom. We want in person, but you know, like if, 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 if we can reach more people through the avenue of virtual, then we can, we'll do that. Well, I think we'll have a hybrid, you know, we did, we mm -hmm. didn't do anything virtual before, right? Um, but we've learned, we can do a lot of our pieces of our, our work virtual and also that mentoring can happen virtually. You know, in my yeah. opinion, relationships need to live in person. I uh, agree. It's a human thing. Um, and uh, we want to continue to keep that a, a focus, but it has opened up the doors for us to make matches uh, possibly where someone may live in Alpharetta and want to work with a young person in College Park. But that's not, you know, driving that all the time is not realistic. So maybe a mentoring online mentoring option will work in that scenario. Yeah, I love it. Hybrid is the uh, is the new word for the future. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm going to start a, uh, not startup, I'm going to be doing a workshop uh, I'll be releasing in a couple weeks. So this is, this is you know, un, unknown news, but I'm going to do a hybrid workshop about how to do hybrid uh, fundraising because I know a lot of people are concerned and curious. So I'm going to start helping educate folks on that. But that's... Um, Coming back to fundraising, you've got something going on right now. I'm going to bring it up. Can you talk about this? Yes. So this is a hybrid as well. So this is called Give for Kids Sake. We typically around this time of the year have Bowl for Kids Sake. Right, right. So we can't go to bowling alleys now, uh, not in mass. Right. So typically we would, we would get teams from different corporations. Uh, we have the Coca-Cola bowling team. We have the UPS, Home Depot, what have you. And those teams would raise money within their companies to sponsor their lane. And then we would all get together and have a good time and, and bowl. Now we're doing gift for kids sakes where uh, you can form teams and fundraise, which will go directly towards our work. But we're going to do a tailgate outside and instead of going to a bowling alley. So it's something uh, that we think we can still do outside and be safe and also still raise money to support uh, the kids and families in our program. And you say tailgate, is it like you're going to have some activities going on or what's Yeah, uh, activities, what's we have tents and, you know, food and music and that kind of thing. And then it'd be outside in a, you know, nice socially distanced way. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's new for us this year. We're, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely one of our, uh, one of the four events we're going to do this year. Oh, sounds fun. And when does it take place? Uh, it's next month. So it's going to go uh, from, 
we're in April now, right? March. Okay, we're today, April 1st. <laughs> Don't be fooled. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, you're right. April. So actually this month, we just came out of March. So end of April through early May. Awesome. Well, yeah. that's, that's exciting. And that's great. I'm, I'm excited to, to see you guys continue to do this. Uh, and the work's great. Is there anything that, um, anything maybe we didn't bring up that you want to talk about? Uh, I would just say, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you can go to our website, make a donation, support our, our work. We can support a match for roughly $1,500 a year. Um, so small donations add up. Mm-hmm. And then also, we are always looking for more bigs. You know, we have kids on our waiting list, around 400, uh, mm-hmm. mostly boys. Um, and uh, right now, you can go to our website and, you know, get signed up. We're, we're not doing orientations uh, this month, but we'll start back up soon. But go to our website, get signed up, get on our newsletter, and uh, think about becoming a big if that's a good fit for you. Awesome. And that website is right there if you're looking, bbbsatl.org, for those that are listening with their ears. Um, well, before I let you go, I always ask my guests to recommend a future guest. Is there a nonprofit innovator in Atlanta that you'd like to recommend to be on Coffee Connections? Yeah, I was actually... Um, Yes, so I'm going to recommend my good friend Zenith uh, Houston, who runs. Uh, she was she was on the show. She was oh, great. She's already on. We can find Zenith because one of our kids just uh, Amy, one of our little sisters, she got a scholarship, uh, full tuition recently. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Zenith was great. Um, I, 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 in a matter of fact, I almost brought her up while we were talking today because when we were talking about the, uh, the, um, working with other organizations, that was the one that came to mind. That's so funny. Okay. What about, uh, Phil? Okay. With, uh, next generation men and women. <laughs> he was a guest as well. Oh, man, you got oh this is good. No, 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 I'm having fun what about, now. <laughs> what about Blythe Robinson? Now that name, I don't recall. In Blythe is what is the name of her organization she's over she has a youth uh, development centers early education uh, centers around the city sheltering arms oh you know someone did rent she mentioned sheltering arms before uh, but i haven't had blythe on so that'd be wonderful yeah, blythe is great. yeah all right well there we go <laughs> I really wanted you to keep going and hit names that were on There's a lot of great leaders, a lot of great leaders in the city. Um, yeah, well, I, I, there there are, and you are one, and you are very well respected. Uh, anytime I brought your name up about having you on the show, people that knew you were just were, were spoke your praises. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, you do do great work, and your organization does great work. So, thank you so much for your time and for everything you do, and uh, keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Steph. Nice to meet you. All right. All right. See you, everyone. Uh, We'll see you all next week. Have a good day.